3-0. Kansas City now one of just two undefeated teams in the NFL. So a lot of good things to talk about here on this episode of the Chiefs of Podcast. Mostly good things here on this episode. As far as you can see, I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another episode of the Chiefstone Podcast. A lot to get into here. Jam-packed edition of the Chiefstone Podcast. Actually, it's going to be a jam-packed week of the Chiefstone Podcast. Of, cor- of course, on this podcast, we're going to recap the 24-10 victory over the Chiefs, propelling them to 3-0. and The only unbeaten team in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs, and just one of two unbeaten teams with a 3-0 record. The only undefeated team, uh, other team, that is, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, also got to talk about Kareem Hunt. I mean, I, mean, did, did, I love t- talking about statistics. I'm a statistics guy. And every week there's just a fun fact thrown out there about Kareem Hunt. And look, uh, three, three weeks into the season, I think we can start looking at league-wide statistics. And trust me, you're going to love hearing more Kareem Hunt stats on this episode. Uh, Look, I know NFL running backs have a short shelf life in the league. Hopefully Hunt can surpass that. And I know the Chiefs have had bad luck with a lot of running backs. I feel like Jamal Charles broke that mold. But And I know people are saying, well, Jamal got injured. Look, at some point, I mean, Jamal Charles gave the Chiefs, what, uh, six, seven great years. And I think in the NFL nowadays, that, that's big for a running back. So, And even with the injuries he had dealt with. So uh, hopefully Kareem Hunt can have a longer career. Because the Chiefs have had a lot of great running backs who were only good or great, I should say, for just a short period of time. So we'll talk about Kareem Hunt and, and just everything he's accomplished so far in his early dominating career. Also, want to discuss the Chargers because they're in a complete mess in Los Angeles. They are already talking about possibly moving the Chargers back to San Diego. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Want to give a quick apology for the podca- podcast glitch last week. Figured out the issue, re-uploaded the correct episode, so hopefully you guys heard that. Uh, but a lot of you guys did get in contact with me on social media, so I appreciate all of you guys that did that. Uh, I believe Adam was the first one who sent me a tweet on Twitter, so I do appreciate Adam uh, doing so, and, and everyone else uh, as well. A couple people, I had, I had one person uh, tweet me, are you aware that this is, you're talking about the past? Yeah, I, I'm completely aware. It's a different file that was uploaded. It's kind of... It's kind of complicated to explain what happened. I know I upla- uploaded the correct file, but sometimes the computer doesn't recognize that this is a different Chiefs versus Chargers preview. So that is my fault. So we have that figured out. We'll make sure that doesn't happen in the future. So again, apologies to those who did hear the incorrect version, but the correct version was uploaded still very quickly uh, within 24 hours at least. And surely it was still pl- plenty of time to hear it before the game kicked off so hopefully you guys were able to hear that so we got the right podcast up and this one for sure is going to be the right podcast later this week we'll have matt miller of bleacher report i always love having matt on the program one of the smartest football guys to talk with and to hear from when it just comes to college football the nfl whatever always good stuff hearing from matt miller he's going to be on the podcast thursday of course that is also going to be our preview edition when the chiefs and the redskins square off for Monday Night Football at Arrowhead, the first Monday Night Football at Arrowhead since 2014 when the Chiefs demolished the Patriots 41-14 and also took the honor for loudest stadium in the NFL, taking it back from Seattle. So the Chiefs, uh, of course, going to be a raucous crowd, 3-0. It's Monday Night Football. I, I mean, the environment's going to be just be insane. That was also the, a similar case with the Patriots. So, got to make sure you don't let this get into your heads. I, I mentioned this last week. Don't let the 2-0 start get to the team's head. And even as fans, we shouldn't let that happen either. 
And, uh, you know, I think with Andy Reid as their head coach, he's going to make sure that they'll remain hum humble and they'll be prepared for a very good Redskins team that just knocked out a Raiders team, shut shutting them down, shutting down Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Uh, so those two guys, I mean, that was a pretty good performance. And I do want to get into those two wide receivers later on in the podcast as well. Now, of course, we'll wrap up the show going around the NFL out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags. But, of course, you guys know the biggest story that is taking place. And that, of course, is the NFL versus Donald Trump now. And the comments he made Friday evening in a speech he had... Uh, let me just say this. I, I know a lot of you guys, you guys hate it when we get into politics. And I have said here, I'll I'll discuss that if it crosses paths with sports. And right now, that, that seems to be the case. And unfortunately, it's just, um, this is just a very bizarre issue. Here's what I'm going to do. We're, we have to discuss the issue. I mean, it's not like it can be avoid, avoidable. But I'll recap the game like always. And all the other topics I mentioned early on, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those as well. I'll do the closing segments, like always, but I'll discuss the Donald Trump issue after those closing segments. So if you want to check out before I get into that, that's perfectly fine with me. You guys are more than welcome to do that. That's why I'm doing it at the end. I thought about doing a separate podcast just on this, but I decided to go against that simply because that'd be too many podcasts this week, uh, even though the Chiefs have a Monday night game, so I could have rescheduled everything, but I decided to go against that. Uh, look, even though a lot of you guys may not want to hear politics, look, I mean, this, this is an issue that goes beyond that. And I think people get upset when sports talk radio hosts talk about stuff outside of sports. And listen, there are issues that are bigger than sports that need to be conveyed even on sports talk radio. Uh, so on this podcast, listen, I, I, again, I understand this is not really a football subject. But I do urge you guys to please do listen to that. I've got a lot to say about this, and, I, and I'll be fair. I, I understand that there are multiple sides, multiple angles, and so many different opinions on this. And I'll give you guys mine because I, I'll try my best to put things into perspective. And I think there is a better solution that President Donald Trump could have could have gone about. So I'll discuss all of that at the end of the podcast. First things first, though, let's talk about the good stuff, the happy stuff. I mean, who is not happy with the 3-0 Kansas City Chiefs? Who is not happy with how this defense is playing? Who is not happy with Kareem Hunt? Well, I'll tell you the answer. It, 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 it's the coaches, players, and the fans of the opposing teams so far in these first three games, as well as in the upcoming games, too. The Kansas City Chiefs might be the hottest team in football right now. And, I mean, that's kind of an obvious one because they're only one of two undefeated teams right now. But they're not just winning games. You may remember in 2013, they weren't the most exciting undefeated team at the time. The offense was very average at best. They got better as the season went along. But it was mostly the defense that was doing all the damage to help the team get off to a 9-0 start. But when you look at this Chiefs team and what they've been able to accomplish on both sides of the football, and, and primarily it's Kareem Hunt that's getting all the talk, and rightfully so because Kareem Hunt has been the biggest difference maker. What did I say before the season? I said that I wasn't very big on Kareem Hunt. Now, of course, I've already admitted I, I was just totally wrong on that. But more importantly, I talked about who do the Chiefs have on offense. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Tyree Kill, two very good guys at their positions. Tyreek Hill, arguably one of the better offensive weapons. He's actually turning into a solid 
primary wide receiver in the NFL right now, which is great to see because a lot of people thought that would be a tall order for a guy like him that that has multiple duties with the with the Chiefs and his size can kind of be a factor as well. So a lot of people and you know Travis Kelsey easily a top two tight end, maybe the best tight end, given how many how many times Gronk gets injured. Travis Kelsey, statistically speaking, is has been the best tight end the past few years, and a lot of it, of course, has to do with Gronk being hurt. But listen, I mean, and I'm not making excuses or, or bashing Gronk either way. But uh, look, at, at the end of the day, yes, Gronk is probably the best and most talented tight end, but it's hard to be the best statistically when when you're injured a lot. So Travis Kelsey has has been the best tight end in the league since he started playing in 2014, which was essentially his rookie year. 2013 missed his entire rookie campaign because of a knee injury. So you know you had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And the question I posed about this offense before the season kicked off, who who else do you have? Is DeAnthony Thomas going to actually come through this year? Can Albert Wilson have a breakthrough performance? And I, I didn't mention this on the podcast uh, before. I, I, did, I did bring it up the day he got injured. But I thought to myself, could Spencer Ware just have a breakout season? Kind of similar to what he did in 2015 when he filled in for Jamal Charles. Except doing it in a long period of time. Doing it in a 16 game span. A full season, in other words. And of course he suffered that injury against Seattle in week 3 of the preseason. So a lot of people scratched their heads on that one. A lot of people were also excited too for Kareem Hunt. And, and you guys know my thoughts. I personally was. And I, I, I questioned the fact that that he was a third round pick from Toledo. There was a reason that teams passed up on him. And that's not to say that you know third round picks from smaller schools mean nothing. I mean Jamal Charles, Jamal Charles went to Texas. But he was a third round pick. And there was a reason for that. But I think if I've learned anything, that's the last time that I've that I'll question the Kansas City Chiefs and what they what they do in terms of the later draft picks. And I know this was a John Dorsey move, and John Dorsey was a phenomenal guy when it came to drafting guys later in the draft. Hopefully, Brett Veach can be able to replicate what John Dorsey did with his ability and making sure that they were quality players, not just in the first, second rounds, but in later rounds as well. So you hope that the Chiefs can do that with Brett Veach as the GM. So I wasn't too big on Kareem Hunt. I really wasn't. And now seeing that what he's been able to do, the offense is a three-dimensional offense now. This is no longer an offense that relies on just Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. This is an offense that has expanded and has, I mean, they, they just have far more abilities than they did before. Because of Kareem Hunt, he's clearly your MVP on the team in addition to being the rookie of the year. So there's a chance that he could take home both the Mackley Hill Award and the Darrell Thomas Award. Plus on, as far as league MVP goes, okay, it's week three, but let's be honest here. Yeah, I mean, if we start writing out a list of candidates for league MVP... And if Kareem Hunt isn't on that list, I question who creates that and whether or not they've been watching the NFL this season. Now, yes, and again, three weeks in, it is very early to determine those things. But at, at some point, I mean, you're starting to talk about candidates. Three weeks in, I think that's plenty of time to start talking about league leaders and who could possibly an all-pro, a pro bowler, and 
which teams could make it very far and go try to get that Super Bowl trophy. And the Kansas City Chiefs are one of those teams right now. And it's been very exciting to watch. And you look at the way they start off in this game. There was that special teams penalty on the opening kickoff on the Chargers. The defense came away with two interceptions on the first two drives for the Chargers. After the opening kickoff, three plays into the game, Terrence Mitchell picks off Phillip Rivers. And Alex Smith needed just four plays to hook up with Tyree Kill and stride in the end zone. Great design in which Tyree Kill lined up on the left side, trips left. Demetrius Harris was on the right side. Went for the corner pattern in which that led the Chargers' right side of the defense from Alex Smith's point of view to forget about Hill because he was on the other side of the field where he lined up. They, they, they didn't think that he would go on that cross pattern on that route. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people are, were thinking that he would go on a vertical route and stay on that side of the field. But of course, he goes from left to right. And that Chargers secondary did not see him coming. And by the time they did, it was way too late. It was a linebacker that was trying to chase Tyreek Hill to the end zone. And Alex Smith hooked up with him for an easy touchdown pass for the first score of the game. Then, on the following drive for the Chargers, eight plays into LA's second drive, Marcus Peters joins in on the party and picks up Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers, at this point, started the game 0-4 for 4 with no yards, obviously, and two interceptions. So, obviously, completing more passes to the Chiefs than his own team going into the third drive of the game for the Chargers, which is always nice to see. Then, of course, the Chiefs go on another quick four-play drive to cap it off with an Albert Wilson touchdown reception. And here's the thing. Things got a little quiet for the offense, but I'll just say this now. That early start certainly set the tone. And I know that sounds weird to say because... After a 14-0 start, Melvin Gordon got a touchdown before the end of the first quarter. And both the Chiefs and Chargers, they got a field goal field in the second quarter. And the Chargers had outscored the Chiefs 10-3 right before halftime. Ever since that uh, 14-0 start. So when I say set the tone, it may sound weird. But when I say set the tone, I'm talking defensively. Because those two interceptions on the first two drives... That'll diminish any confidence an offense could have going into a third drive. I mean, you're already hungry at that point just to move the football, just to just to prevent another giveaway. Even if it means you you don't score, you punt it. At least you're not giving the football away. So the Chargers were just begging and praying that this third time would have been a charm and that they could have scored, which they did. Like I said, things got quiet for the Chiefs. It the score was 17-10 for a majority of the second half. But of course, late in the game, what do we see? Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt does his thing, taking over late in games. He scored on a 69-yard touchdown run to ice the game, and that gave the Chiefs a 24-10 victory, improving to 3-0. Okay, I've got these fun Kareem Hunt numbers to read for you. Whatever number I read to you, these are the numbers that these are categories in which Kareem Hunt leads the league in. And then I'll read you whoever is second place behind him. You guys are going to be blown away by these numbers. Rushing yards, 401. Second closest is Dalvin Cook of the Vikings with 288. So more than 100 yards of a difference there. Yards from scrimmage. Kareem Hunt has 538. That's the, the, the second closest as Todd Gurley of the Rams with 381. 
Again, more than 100 yards of difference there. This is by far the more prominent category, and this is, of course, one Jamal Charles was dominant in. Kareem Hunt is averaging 8.5 yards per carry. The closest to him is Tarek Cohen of the Bears with 6.5. So two whole yards of a difference there. Kareem Hunt is averaging 133.7 yards per game. The next closest to him is Dalvin Cook, again, with 96. Kareem Hunt has 16 first downs. Now, second place guys are not too far behind. They each have 15. Devontae Freeman of the Falcons and Todd Gurley, who I mentioned earlier, of the Rams. He has five runs of 20 yards or more. Leads the league in that category. He He's tied for first with four rushing touchdowns. Now, I mentioned touchdown, rushing touchdowns. As far as total touchdowns go, obviously quarterbacks, they're always going to be the leaders in that category. Right now, Tom Brady has eight touchdown passes. And look, we'll give it up to him because he had zero in the first week against the Chiefs. So Tom Brady has more scores than anyone with eight. Second place, you've got Alex Smith, Trevor Simeon, and Matthew Stafford tied with seven. Now, as far as who has uh, the next number six touchdowns, Kareem Hunt has six touchdowns. And so does Todd Gurley. And then you've got a couple quarterbacks there. Aaron Rodgers, Blake Bortles, Drew Brees, and Derek Carr. So as far as the non-quarterbacks go, Kareem Hunt and Todd Gurley each have six touchdowns. Total touchdowns. Hunt has two receiving touchdowns, both against the Patriots. Had a rushing touchdown in that game and has had three other so far uh, since, uh, since then. Giving him six total. I mean, if you don't have a man crush on this guy, or if you're a girl and you don't have a crush on him, I mean, something's wrong with you. You're probably not a Chiefs fan if that's the case. This is easily, I said this last podcast, this guy might be the most exciting Chiefs player to really just rise to the occasion unexpectedly since Larry Johnson. And again, I know a lot of you guys did say that you thought Kareem Hunt was going to be an impact player for the Chiefs. You guys expected good things out of him. You guys did not expect this from Kareem Hunt. Nobody thought Kareem Hunt was going to have the biggest debut in NFL history and put the numbers that he's having now, being the, essentially leading the league in rushing yards and yards from scrimmage. Nobody thought he was going to be that good. And I'll talk about that with Matt Miller later this week. I mean, what exactly happens for a player like Kareem Hunt that falls to the third round and just has such a phenomenal start and right now might be the best player in the NFL among rookies and non-rookies, veterans. I mean, this has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Look, that win was not pretty for the Chiefs. We're still seeing the Chiefs dominate football for one quarter and then do very little the rest of the way. Uh, But that early 14-0 start with those two picks, that certainly helped the Chiefs. Uh, And of course, and it ended in a 24 to 10 score. Travis Kelsey was a non-factor in this game, one catch for just one yard. But when you have Kareem Hunt and also Tyreek Hill, when they're just doing their thing, plus the defense doing what they do, you'll survive. And a big reason you've been able to survive is Kareem Hunt. Just the just the numbers that he's put up. 
And you've got to give credit to this offensive line. The offensive line in the NFL, I mean, they just don't get enough credit. Linemen don't receive the glory in football because they don't have big statistics. I mean, yeah, you've got to you've got to get those expanded premium statistics online. Uh, you don't see these kinds of things on NFL.com or ESPN. And I've said before, I think in a few years we're going to see that change. But for now, you, you just don't get that with offensive linemen. In the game of football, it it starts and ends at the line of scrimmage. The battle is won there, and if Kareem Kareem Hunt, all these things, he he deserves a lot of credit too. But we've also got to give a lot of it to that offensive line for the Chiefs. Haven't been great necessarily pass blocking, but man, uh, this offensive line might be the best run blocking offensive line in the NFL right now. The offense has got to be a little bit more active. You've got to have more in the passing department. Tyreek Hill had five catches for 77 yards, which is good. But the next best behind him, it was Albert Wilson, who had three receptions for just 18 yards. And again, when you have Kareem Hunt doing what he did in the defense also, doing their jobs, okay, I mean, sure, you'll be able to survive. But at some point, that'll come back to you. Defense holding the Chargers to 10 points. Rivers threw 40 passes, completed just half of them. Sacked twice, which equaled his season total coming into this game. And that's a big reason why the Chiefs came away with that 24-10 win. Because the defense held them to just 10 points. And look, I know the Chargers have not been a very good team the past few years. But you can never count out Phillip Rivers. Especially the amount of times he has been able to torch the Chiefs. Uh, one of the better arms in the NFL, one of the better passing QBs in the NFL. So for the Chiefs to be able to hold him in check the way they did, certainly impressive in this game, and you'll you'll take that in this game, holding this Chargers team to 10 points. And you remember Keenan Allen, how he just went off on the Chiefs last year before he suffered that ACL tear, and the Chargers could not convert on a third down the rest of the game. And the Chiefs came back winning in overtime in that crazy comeback win. So... This is, this is, of course, a much-needed performance by the defense. Limiting Phillip Rivers and also not allowing Keenan Allen to go off like he did last year against the Chiefs. I do want to touch on one thing. Because right now the Chiefs are the only undefeated team in the AFC. There's only one other undefeated team in the league, and that's the Falcons in the NFC. The Chiefs were the last undefeated team standing in 2003, 2010, and 2013. In 2003 and 2013, they got off to 9-0 starts. So 2003 start, of course, everyone loved. And each one of these three seasons are very unique because 2003, you had Dante Hall doing doing things that you have never seen anyone do before. And, and that made him the most electrifying player in the NFL. And he was even written down as an MVP candidate. I mean, a kick returner as, a, as an MVP candidate, and that's unheard of. You just don't get that. Four touchdowns in a row, uh, kickoff or punt returns. And, and, and he just wasn't scoring to score. I mean, he scored in clutch situations to give the Chiefs the lead. 2010 was interesting because that was, of course, after Todd Haley's first season. The Chiefs had that 4-12 and start uh, or 4-12 record uh, in Todd Haley's first year in 09. They had that remarkable win over the Pittsburgh Steelers in overtime. They also had a really nice win to finish the season against the Denver Broncos in which the Broncos 
because they lost to the Chiefs, they were held out and could not make it into the playoffs. So that was that, that felt good ending the season like that. Despite the bad year, you held Denver to a you held Denver away from the playoffs and then the following year, you stunned the Chargers on Monday Night Football on the final game of week 1 and then you get off to this 3-0 start. You get a bye week which allowed the Chiefs to remain unbeaten while I think three or four other teams that were undefeated had fallen and the Chiefs were the only undefeated team. Now they lost a couple of games right after that bye week, but they still managed to stay on top of the AFC West and won the division with a 10 and 6 record. 2013 might be one of the more remarkable turnaround turnaround in sports history. You had Arguably the worst season on and off the field in 2012. And I think that this might be what Andy Reid might be the best thing that's ever happened to the Chiefs. I know a Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. I know it's only been one postseason win. He has a one and three playoff record, but to go from a two and 14 record with so much, so many issues off the field, the social media, the the fans, uh, the flying banners over the stadium, and of course, the very unfortunate incident with Javon Belcher and just everything that I mean it was just a taxing season for that for that Chiefs team both physically and mentally and emotionally too and then to turn around the way they did in 2013 you go 9-0 and and I know as, as I said earlier that 9-0 and start the way they started I mean the offense was very average it was a defense that did the work but a win is a win the Chiefs went from getting their butts kicked for so many games the year before, and then they start 9-0, and and it just shows you that you can turn a football team around overnight. You can turn a football team around within one year. The Chiefs had a lot of the same players come back. All they did was change the quarterback, a few players, but the biggest change was the head coach. And Andy Reid brought in his staff, and they helped this Chiefs team become one of the better teams. The Chiefs have won 25 of their last 29 games. That's the best in the NFL. And that 20 if you're wondering where I'm going 29 games ago, that was the start of that winning streak 10 in a row in 2015 after a 1 and 5 start. Now here's the problem. 2003, 2010, 2013, you were the last unbeaten team to fall. And generally, the last unbeaten team does pretty well in the postseason. But the Chiefs did not win a Super Bowl in any of those three years. They didn't even win a postseason game in any of those three seasons. The postseason, the year they won a postseason game was in 2015 when they started 1-5. Now, I'm not insinuating that the Chiefs should start 1-5 every year. That's never an ideal way to start. But, the and look, I know the Chiefs played a Texans team that didn't do very well in their division too. And I get that. But look, the way the league is set up and how you win your divisions and who visits who, I mean, you can only go by that. Let's not forget, the Chiefs did have a 10-6 and record in 2010. They won the division and a team with a better record came to Arrowhead that year in the playoffs. So look, you just take a postseason win. A win is a win, especially a postseason win. And that snapped that 22-year drought for the Chiefs. But at some point, I mean, and again, it's always 
exciting because you have these nice starts and you're the last unbeaten team, so you enjoy being that best team in the NFL. But at some point, this has to also change because you haven't had any Super Bowl wins off this. You didn't even win a playoff game in those years that you were the last unbeaten, the last undefeated team, the last team standing, essentially. So the Chiefs, if this season is, I mean, this might be the most exciting year. And I know that's hard to say because you always say that in the moment. But listen, we're all prisoners of the moment. It just happens. For the Chiefs, they might have, what makes this undefeated start different than the others, assuming that the Chiefs, well, right now they're the only unbeaten team in the AFC. It doesn't matter if you're the unbeaten team in the NFL. The the postseason is not ranked for you to be ranked number one among all of the 12 teams. It's only in your conference. So the Chiefs already have the number one seed in the conference for right now, at least. So what makes this different than the others? Well, I think Kareem Hunt's story is crazy that he had the best debut in NFL history. He's doing things that running backs have never done before during their rookie seasons. And that has really helped the Chiefs go a long way. You have a guy like Tyreek Hill, who has more touch long touchdown plays, more home run touchdown plays than any other player in the NFL right now. Now, Travis Kelsey, I know he's gotten off to a slow start this season, but he's still one of the better tight ends in the NFL. A lot of people would take him over just about any tight end right now. I mean, if we had to release all tight ends in the NFL right now and do like a fantasy draft, Travis Kelsey gets taken in the top three. Maybe number one, because he's been one of the healthier tight ends, and maybe Gronk would just have end up being a number two, but you get the idea. Travis Kelsey is, is that good. And then you've got Alex Smith. And now, look, he's not the most exciting quarterback who the Chiefs have had, but as far as wins go, I mean, he's already up there with some of the most wins compared to a lot of quarterbacks that have played for the Chiefs. I mean, he's already broken records that Trent Green had in his first two years as a Chief compared to what Alex Smith did in his first two years with the Chiefs. Let's keep in mind, the last time the Chiefs won a playoff game before this drought was snapped, it was in 1994 when Joe Montana was the quarterback. And he was only here briefly. So you look at the success the Chiefs have right now, and defensively speaking, uh, look, uh, I, I hate to see the Chiefs be able to have such a remarkable season without Eric Berry because even with him, they would be doing even better. But look, I mean, the Chiefs won a playoff game without Jamal Charles, who has been the heart and soul of this team and never left, even when he had every reason to. So uh, it, it's just an unfortunate matter because... You'd love to see the Chiefs be able to have the success with Eric Berry, but you've it's just next man up, and you've got to move forward from that. And this defense has done a great job, and you know the Chiefs. Uh, we haven't seen Tyreek Hill do much on special teams, but you know he's due at some point to do something. And let me say this. Primetime games are always weird because the in the NFL, you just see guys... Do crazy things on, on primetime that they might not do on another night. And people will say, well, it's just a regular game. Players might say that, but listen, deep down inside, we all know they're human too. They get more motivated and more pumped up for a primetime game, just like how we do as fans. I mean, who is not excited that the Chiefs have Monday Night Football coming up at Arrowhead? I'll discuss this much more on the next podcast.
the Chiefs have four of their next six games on primetime television. And got the NFL, man, I bet they're glad they did this because knowing the timing of Kareem Hunt and what he's done, everyone in the end, especially if you don't have Sunday ticket, you want to check out Kareem Hunt. Everyone wants to see this guy. And not only that, you have Tyreek Hill. And again, he's he seems to do better on primetime than he would any other night. He had that kick return touchdown on Sunday Night Football against the Broncos. He had that punt return touchdown on a Thursday night game against the Raiders. So maybe at some point in, in, in the next six weeks, we see Tyreek Hill get it rolling on special teams. So there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Chiefs fan. 3-0 start and... You've got four of your next six games on primetime TV. Two of them on Monday Night Football. You've got a Sunday night game. And then you've got a Thursday night game. Feels pretty good to be a Chiefs fan right now. Doesn't feel good to be a Chargers fan right now. If there are any out there. I mean, you guys you guys heard the game. I mean, if you were listening closely, you could hear Chiefs chants. You could hear Tyreek chants. You could hear... It was pretty much Arrowhead Stadium in Los Angeles. In a a soccer stadium. The Chargers moved to LA. Already a disaster. The Rams moved to Los Angeles last year. And they're still trying to collect a fan base. The Chargers moved to LA. And they probably have some fans because the Chargers... I mean, the Chargers are the closest... They were the closest NFL team to Los Angeles. You have that California connection... So you had that going for you, but now you have this mess taking place. They're playing in a stadium that's used for soccer and high school football championship games. They're not even packing the house at that stadium. Now an 0-3 record probably has something to do with it and the fact that they've been bad in previous years. But listen, even other bad teams can fill up at least half the seats in their 60, 70, 80,000 seat stadiums. And the Chargers are struggling filling up a soccer stadium that seats what? Like 25, 30,000? That's how bad it is right now for the Chargers in LA. And they have that fight for LA slogan. Like, what are you even fighting for? Are you fighting for a fan base? Are you fighting to keep the team there? Because now there's talks that they could go back to San Diego. So this is already just a complete mess. On their hands right now. And listen. I'll say this as as Kansas City fans. I mean the Chiefs have never. They haven't necessarily been horrible. For a long period of time. In this era. I mean in the last 20 years I guess. Yes they had those 6 bad years. 5 of 6 bad years. From 07 to 2012. Only 2010 was their only good year. But the Royals. The Royals could have easily left Kansas City there was no fan support for a long time and the team was just horrible now of course you had those renovations in 2008 and 2009 and both stadiums were completed in 2010 which was great to see but man it's just not every city just has this luxury I remember hearing Jack Harry and Kevin Keatsman Talk about this on 810. And they asked ask the question. I think this was in 2009 or 2010. They asked the question. Would you be sad if the Royals moved? Knowing what we know now. Hell yes. People in Kansas City would have been sad. 
So look, I, I, I think here in Kansas, and again, I know the Chargers, they're a division rival of ours. So it's fun to poke fun at them when you can. But listen, I'm never going to poke fun at a fan base when they're dealing with this kind of crap. Because no fan, no, no, no fan base deserves to have their team ripped away from them. That's just cruel. It really is. So, look, I, I, I hope the best thing happens to the Chargers. And again, maybe winning games would be part of it. But you, I just never, I, I hate to see teams that suffer with their fans that are struggling to even have fans interested. See, the thing with Chiefs fans, though, during those bad years that the Chiefs had from 2007 to 2012, even though that there were a lot of empty seats, Chiefs fans still watched. Chiefs fans still cared. They had a lot to say. I mean, fans flew banners over the stadium because they wanted to make a statement and they wanted to do something to turn this team around. But you didn't have that for the baseball team. You didn't have that for the Royals. And again, I know this city's been crazy on the Royals. At least it was for a couple of years. Now it's just, I mean, there's just no interest there anymore. They have the biggest attendance drop-off out of any team in the major leagues. So as far as Chiefs fans go, and I know they're also Royals fans, the majority of them, but the interest has always been high for the Chiefs. So listen, even though the Chiefs owners know that they they didn't sell as many tickets and that the fans were angry, they knew the fans still cared. So, look, I feel bad for Chargers fans and everything they're dealing with. No NFL fan base deserves this. And I know Raiders fans can be very nutty, but man, I'll tell you what. I have always said this, and anytime I say this, Chiefs fans actually tend to agree and say, oh, this actually makes sense. Chiefs fans and Raiders fans are very similar because they're both very passionate and both very supportive of their teams. Especially Raiders fans, during like the really horrible years, they still think that they're going to end up in the Super Bowl the following year. And of course, even though they've been bad for, what, a decade and a half, almost two decades, it's been worth the wait to see Derek Carr and this Raiders team do what they've done. The turnaround has been remarkable. So, it's nice to see that the Raiders are doing better, especially as a Chiefs fan. I, I love to see a hot rivalry like this. I do. When you have two teams that are just longtime rivals and both of them doing great, it just makes the rivalry even better. And it just sucks that because as soon as this team starts to pick up steam, they could be moving to Las Vegas anytime within the next one to three years. And they've already got a massive issue because they, they're, what, roughly 16,000 parking spots short of what's projected. So, I mean, you you look at what's going on around the league with the Rams trying to get some fans, the Chargers trying to get some fans, the Raiders pretty much don't even have a parking lot in Las Vegas. So they have to figure that out, and they've got a couple years to do so. But, man, I mean, it's just, you've got to be fortunate and thankful for, if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a fan of another team or for other sports, just really how much they try to stay in that city and try to give back to those fans. Because it's it's not easy keeping a team where they are when the fan support's lacking and the, the success is low. Hopefully things get figured out because the NFL has a complete mess on their hands. Two years ago, the second biggest city in the United States didn't even have an NFL team. Now they've got two. 
They thought it was going to make for a great story. It's the complete opposite. Let's go around the NFL. All right, I mentioned earlier Dalvin Cook, one of the better running backs, essentially, statistically speaking, the second-best running back in the NFL. But listen, the Minnesota Vikings, they've got the more dynamic offense in the NFL right now. Three players are in the top eight in total yards from scrimmage. Obviously, number one in the league right now is Kareem Hunt. But if you look at players two through eight, Dalvin Cook, a running back for the Vikings, is on that list. Then you've got two wide receivers, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, on that list as well. They they just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Case Keenum. Case Keenum as their quarterback, filling in for Sam Bradford. This Minnesota Vikings team, look, I know Chiefs fans are excited and the talks of a, of a Super Bowl run is, is on. Look, if you want to go that far, okay, let's do it for just two seconds. If if I have to pick right now who the Chiefs could face in the Super Bowl, it might be the Minnesota Vikings. That might be a rematch of Super Bowl Four. You look at the dynamic offense that you have. You've got a great quarterback in Sam Bradford, especially when he comes back. And then you the players to work with. Cook, Dylan, Diggs. And I think this could very well compare to Kansas City's group of players. You've got Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. A very great group of pass catchers on your team that can do a lot of damage. And I think that would be kind of an exciting matchup to see in the future. So hopefully that, that matchup could happen in the Super Bowl because I, I I think it'd be fun to see which of these two offenses could really come through and beat the other. I do want to talk about Tom Brady for a moment. Of course, he was roughed up uh, against a very good Houston Texans defense who the Chiefs are going to be playing very soon on a Sunday night football game. Brady was sacked five times in this game. He was he also threw five touchdown passes, which you've got to note that as well. He came through with that late-game winning clutch pass to Brandon Cooks. Now, love him or hate him, this is why Tom Brady is one of the best. Not just because he has five rings, but his ability to over- overcome rough games, overcome adversity, like this game, like in this game still finds a way to perform well, even during some rough moments. Came away with a late win in this game. Tom Brady had a really good game and a really bad game. Sounds kind of crazy, but at the end of the day, he came away with that game-winning touchdown pass, and that overshadows all the negativity that happened to him in this game, being sacked five times by that that ferocious Texans defense. And again, not to think too far ahead, but just an early thought for that Chiefs and Texans game. Gosh, I mean, J.J. Watt's a beast. And you know Jadavian Clown is just as good. Kansas City's offensive line has got to be ready. Their pass blocking hasn't been very good. And th- that could be a potential game where the Chiefs drop their first one. And you've got to stick to your strength in-, in this one, especially when you know that this offensive line ha- isn't necessarily the best when it comes to pass blocking. Well, let's go to Bounds. Bounds. All right, this is my favorite topic. You guys know this. There is a report from an Irish newspaper that the UFC is targeting Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz for December 30th. And I believe that's going to be UFC 219. Yes, UFC 219. It is expected to be the third bout between Conor and Nate 
Now, those two main evented UFC 202 and UFC 196, the two highest-selling pay-per-views in UFC history. This time, a third one, it'll be even higher. I believe the UFC 202 card, that sold more than 1.6 million pay-per-views. So this one will do even more, especially with a now that Conor McGregor is a lightweight champion and he wanted he said he wanted to fight Nate Diaz at lightweight, which is 155 pounds in MMA. And this was before he won the lightweight belt. Now, what a coincidence! He has the lightweight belt and he's got a trilogy fight waiting for him against Nate Diaz that he's they've got a score to settle. And Nate Diaz says he, he doesn't need Conor and all that, but man, the amount of shots that Nate has constantly taken at Conor. You just know that they want each other. They just do. There's so much money to be made on this. So after a really, really bad year for the UFC, coming off a really, really great year, this would be a really, really great ending to a bad year. So listen, I'm I'm shaking my hands here. Pretty excited about this because this is the fight that every fight fan wants to see. Even if you're not a fight fan, everyone wants to see this fight. Everyone's going to be talking about it. Everyone's always talking about Conor McGregor, but this... It's even better. I do want to switch gears and talk about MU football. They fired their defensive coordinator after two games into the season. DeMonte Cross. Fired him earlier this month. Uh, Mizzou allowed 43 points in a 72-43 win over Missouri State. They lost 31-13 to South Carolina. And that's when Cross got fired after that game. Since then... They lost 35-3 against Purdue, and the number 15 Auburn crushes them 51-14. But look, Cross was not the sole issue here for MU. Yes, the MU defense has been awful, but so has the whole team from top to bottom. It's unfair to fire a defensive coordinator so early when there's a big list of problems. You scored 72 points on a small school in week one. You haven't even scored half of that. In your three straight losses. So the, the, the issues go way beyond DeMonte Cross. Now I do want to go to the other side of state line. Talk about KU football and their renovations on the way. $350 million expected to be spent on uh, renovating their football stadium. Look, nothing wrong with it. People keep saying use it on scholarships instead instead of using it on a bad football team. Look, I, I know they're not going to sell out. They might sell out for the first couple of games just so people can see the stadiums. A lot of alumni are going to want to come back, check out the stadium, and see how nice it looks and all. But uh, look, I'll just tell you this. As a former KU student and proud graduate and a proud fan, I received two scholarships from the journalism department during my time there. Now, obviously, it didn't pay for all of my tuition, but it helped me get through, of course. I mean, students are always going to accept the scholarship when they are offered one. And I understand $350 million, yes, you can do a lot with that, but I also, look, when the university is able to make that much money, and I know how ridiculous universities are these days and colleges with, with their tuition, uh, rooms, and boarding, and how much they ask money from alumni. Uh, but look, uh, at the end of the day, the university owes itself to try to improve on things, and they want to improve on their football stadium. They, I mean, KU is, by the way, the campus has changed a lot. If you are a KU alum, go check it out if you haven't been there uh, in the last, what, three or four years. I mean, they have changed a lot of things on their campus. Looks completely different, especially where Daisy uh, Hill is and right around Allen Fieldhouse and the law building. Completely different. And look, when they're making a lot of money, they owe it to themselves to try to make the campus bigger, including their football stadium. 
So, and they also use that for graduation. Don't forget about that. So it looks like a nicer place. They've already tore down the track of, from a couple of years ago. So they owe it to themselves to try to have a nicer football venue. Especially when you use it for other events such as graduation. Final topic I do want to talk on is Mike Moustakas. Very quickly. Uh, wrote an article on the Players' Tribune. Saying that the team isn't giving up despite the odds stacked against them. Uh... Listen, uh, this year and last year I've been tough on the Royals. And I disagree with firing Ned Yost. Yes, his managing skills make you scratch your head, but you can't want him fired for the job he's done, helping the team go to back-to-back, go to the World Series back-to-back years. You don't get that a lot in sports. I mean, nowadays we see teams like the Patriots, uh, whichever team Peyton Manning is for, whichever team LeBron is for, the Golden State Warriors... The Giants and now the Royals. I mean, we we see very few teams make it to the championship games because we see a lot of repeat championship contending teams. The Royals went to the championship back-to-back years. In the NBA, we're just seeing the same teams in the finals. And I'm not saying let's just ignore these bad seasons because we won the World Series a couple of years ago. I mean, a lot has to be addressed. The general manager doesn't sit there and just say, Oh, well, we won the World Series. It's okay. No, they've got to do something to fix it to keep the fan interest going. The Royals have the biggest... And I mentioned this earlier. They had the biggest attendance drop-off to start off the season. The biggest in the major leagues. So, uh, it just shows you that this is really a football town and not a baseball town. And, and look, I, I love Moustakas and everything he's done for this city. And I hope he comes back. Uh, but realistically speaking, and I think even he knows this, it's a very slim chance. Yes, they've overcome crazy odds before. But uh, they really do have their backs against the walls here. And there's a lot to figure out with this baseball team moving forward. Especially with a lot of contracts that are going to be up soon. And Dayton Moore has a lot to figure out in terms of who he's going to bring back and who he may even surprisingly let go. Final segment, at least normally it's the final segment, penalty flags. Let's do it. Chiefs fans probably remember the name Marcus Cooper. Yes, Marcus Cooper, the former Chiefs cornerback, What a nice rookie season with the Chiefs in 2013 after being cut by the 49ers uh, after that preseason. Uh, Did some good things with the Chiefs. Had two picks against Manning, Peyton Manning, in the same game against the Broncos uh, despite the loss. Uh, So he did some good things with the Chiefs that year. He's with the Chicago Bears now. He recovered a blocked field goal, scooped it up, and was about to run all the way back for an easy touchdown. With five yards left before he gets into the end zone, he slightly jogs to the end zone. And a Steelers defender knocks the football out right when he's at the one-yard line. Right before he steps into the end zone, the football pops out and it rolls out of bounds in the end zone. And it's a no score. A blocked field goal that should have resulted in a touchdown for the Bears. Now the Bears ended up winning this game in overtime. But Marcus Cooper, what are you doing? The guy starts to, he's not showboating. He's just, his speed just goes down ridiculously with five yards left. And props to that Steelers player because a lot of players of the opposing team 
they probably would have just let the player go and you, they, they would have said, what's the point? We're not even close. We can't catch up to him. But he starts walking. Marcus Cooper. And that Steelers defender came from behind and said, surprise! <laughs> How do you do that? That's a ton. You could have prevented overtime. And you never know. With these crazy overtime rules now and how things go, that could have cost the Bears an easy win. Now, the Bears still found a way to hand the Steelers their first loss of the season. But gosh, it had to come in dramatic fashion. I'll tell you who deserves a flag. This is a guy who's well-liked around the NFL, but maybe not by the Tennessee Titans anymore because Richard Sherman, of course, the well-known quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, with a dirty, unnecessary hit to Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota, Right when he stepped out of bounds on a play, Richard Sherman drills him at the sideline. I mean, Mariota just stepped out of bounds, and Sherman's coming full speed attacking him. There's no reason to do that. The guy's already near the sideline, and he's going out of bounds. There's another player chasing him out of bounds. So it's not like the full speed and the hit out of bounds was necessary at all. Was flagged for it and absolutely deserved it. And of course it happened on the Titans sideline. So the Titans players of course got in Sherman's face and rightfully so. I mean look, I I, I like Richard Sherman and you know just, just really what he's been able to do professionally on the field. And also you know he's he's been one of the guys that stood up for other NFL players too. Especially against Roger Goodell and some of these rules. So I give props to him and everything for that. But man, this right here you've got to do better. You cannot do that to another quarterback if this was his own quarterback Russell Wilson you know he would be writing an article for the players tribune the next day talking about how dirty that player is or at least call them out on social media or in an interview so come on you know that you can't do that he knows he can't do that all right uh right now I'm gonna spend a few minutes talking about this topic with Donald Trump so look For those who don't want to hear it, I urge you to please listen to this. Because this is a very important subject that has to be addressed. And it's only going to continue. I mean, look, it's the biggest story right now in the world, or at least in the United States. And it's something that has to be talked about. I mean, you talk about you're in a country called the United States of America. But, I mean, we are not united at all. We really are not. So, uh... Here's the thing, and I do want to say this too because I do want to play the audio clip of what Donald Trump said. Only that small snippet of what he said, the SOB line, uh, has been brought up. But he said a few other things to it that I really want people to hear that you may have not caught anywhere else. I'll let you guys listen in on it and give you guys the deal. I do want to let you guys know, you'll notice this podcast is labeled as explicit. So, and I also understand that a lot of people listen with their kids around and they've got them in the living room, whatnot, so other people are hearing it. Just want to let you guys know that you may hear something that you may not he- want a a younger one to, to hear. So, there's your fair warning. Just want to let you guys know that now so you guys have some time to push pause on the podcast if you need to and uh, listen at another time. And again, for those not interested, I, again, I, I urge you guys, please do listen to this because this is important. Uh, but if you do not want to hear about it at all, 
then now is your chance to take off. Later this week, we will have Matt Miller on the Chiefs on podcast. And of course, we'll preview the game between the Chiefs and the Redskins, that Monday night football matchup. So Friday evening, Donald Trump had a speech. And the topic of respecting the flag came up. And of course, he used that to go after the NFL. Here's what he said. Luther and I and everyone in this arena tonight are unified by the same great American values. We're proud of our country. We respect our flag. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. Out. He's fired. He's fired. You know, some owner's going to do that. He's going to say, that guy that disrespects our flag, he's fired. And that owner, they don't know it. They don't know it. They're friends of mine, many of them. They don't know it. They'll be the most popular person for a week. They'll be the most popular person in this country. Because that's a total disrespect of our heritage. That's a total disrespect of everything that we stand for. Okay? everything that we stand for. And I know we have freedoms and we have freedom of choice and many, many different freedoms. But you know what? It's still totally disrespectful. And you know, when the NFL ratings are down massively, massively, the NFL ratings are down massively. Now, the number one reason happens to be that they like watching what's happening on, you know, with your screen. Yeah, I mean, of course. He, he, of course, resorts to the whole ratings thing. He thinks that the NFL ratings are down 15% because he's the reason. Like, he's he's got something going on during NFL games. I mean, please, are, are you kidding me? I mean, he, wasn't he the one that was asking to try to change the timing of an NFL game so he could talk and not interfere with the NFL? Let's not forget about that. But look, uh, he talked about, you know, respecting the flag in, in the country, and then he used the word disrespect five times. So, someone please tell me, what was so respectful about using the phrase SOB towards the NFL? I mean, look, yeah, sure, the NFL ratings are down, but tell me tell me another televised event or program that's topping the NFL right now. Occasionally, The Walking Dead, yeah, they, they have higher ratings. They they were able to do it for a few episodes here and there. But for the most part, it's always been the NFL. So to say that the ratings are down because he's the... Re- okay, please. Like, this guy's always talking about ratings with... with, with even with um, someone from uh, Houston. And I don't remember who this was, but he, he talks about how the ratings are up and this guy's getting a lot of attention. I mean, I mean, really that's what your focus is on when people are struggling with, with the the aftermath of hurricane Harvey. And I don't want to get too much into that. I really don't. Um, but, but you see what's happening. I mean, there's a pattern going on with our, with her president. Now he uses the SOB term and then that pissed off a lot of people, and it started with Oakland A's catcher, a baseball player, not even a football player. On Saturday night, Bruce Maxwell, the first MLB player to take a knee, and he took a knee on Saturday night after what Trump said on Friday. 
Sunday, open up a can of worms. We saw the London game early in the morning uh, in the United States. Of course, uh, a lot of players took a knee there or, or protested during the anthem. Patriots fans, they booed the players on both teams, I assume, for protesting during the anthem. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva for the Steelers served three tours of duty in Afghanistan. He was in front of the tunnel standing for the anthem while the rest of the Steelers players were in the locker room. Fox Sports, by the way, says that he has the highest selling jersey the past 24 hours, passing Tom Brady for most ordered jerseys, uh, which, which is cool and all for him. But he apologized Monday publicly in front of the media because he felt like he threw his teammates under the bus when he came uh, stood in front of the tunnel. And obviously he wasn't doing that for the cameras or anything. It's just the cameras saw him and he became a big story like that. And he he was very apologetic about what he did. Roughly 180 players didn't stand for the anthem. The Steelers, Titans, and Seahawks stayed in their locker rooms. Von Miller, who also took a knee, he lost a Ford sponsorship for kneeling. Now listen, people always say that... Yes, it's it's their right. Uh, I mean, it's it's their right, their First Amendment rights to to do this. But what I've been saying, and now pe- now people are saying this, that people also have the right to yank sponsorships away, like Ford did with Von Miller for doing what he did. And listen, uh, just because you have the First Amendment doesn't mean that you're not going to get backlash for what you say or what you what you do. I mean, if you do something that a lot of people disagree with, then, then people are going to speak their minds about it. Now, again, a lot of this is targeted towards Colin Kaepernick, which I don't know why. Like, I know he's still being talked about, and I think he should be on an NFL team right now, but uh, he hasn't even done anything. Like, why are people targeting him? I know he started this movement, but he hasn't, I mean, what was the last time he took a knee? He hasn't even been playing football. And, like, he's still, like, the target of this topic. And certainly, Donald Trump was referring to Marcus Peters, who was the only player taking a knee. And now we've seen a lot of players do it for the Chiefs. We saw Kareem Hunt. He was sitting while still putting a hand over his heart during the National Anthem. Travis Kelsey took a knee. Justin Houston was praying uh, and was facing the bench uh, for, for his protest. By the way, Eric Fisher wrote something big on his Facebook page. There was a picture of him and three other players, Demetrius Harris, a couple other players kneeling. They are praying. That photo has been used out of context, and people are saying that uh, that Eric Fisher and others are protesting. Whoever you are, whoever took that photo and did that, you are a, you are a horrible person. You can see in the background, Ron Parker and Pat Mahomes are up and moving around. First of all, Eric Fisher is in the middle of the field. Players are standing on the sidelines during the anthem. And other you see other players moving around in the background of that picture. So whoever did that, shame on you for trying to blow something out of proportion and trying to make people look like that they were protesting during the anthem when they absolutely were not. There's a picture of the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Jerry Jones and the entire Cowboys, they took a knee they took a knee before the anthem. I guarantee you there are going to be media outlets that will use that picture and in the caption it's going to say they took a knee during the anthem when it's not true. They did it before the anthem. So there, there are some things that are being blown out of proportion and, and some some people in the NFL are, are being framed uh, unfairly uh, by all this. 
Look, uh, I, I've, I, I've, I've said this a little bit. Uh, I, I've never really opened up about this, but a lot of you guys know I'm from Iran. Uh, was born there. My family and I uh, moved to the United States when I was three. And given what's gone on in the Middle East, um, you know everything that's happened since 9-11, unfortunately, I've, I've heard certain comments by certain people, certain racial comments. Uh, they bothered me early on, and I'd be lying if I said they don't bother me. They do. Uh, I get a couple tweets every now and then from people that, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, they just they just say stupid stupid stuff on um, on Twitter. And of course, they're doing it behind the keyboard when they wouldn't do it. They're not man enough to do it in person. Um, but you know, I mean, that's a very minority group of people. Uh, look, um, as someone who's received uh, racial comments, I, I've never, well, look, I've never walked, Alex Smith said this about Marcus Peters last year, he never has walked a, a day in, in Marcus's shoes. And Peters, he had that fist up uh, last year uh, when, on uh, the Chiefs' first game. Uh, a lot of these guys, a lot of them are African Americans that are doing this, and... Black people, man, they they they've heard a lot of negative things. I turned on ESPN Sunday morning because I, I couldn't find the the London game on TV. I, I thought it was on TV, but then I learned it wasn't. And the first thing they're talking about is that subject. And the first thing I hear is Randy Moss talking about how he's a teenager. He's 17, 18 years old, pretty much an adult at this point, and he's still dealing with these things. And he's having a hard time living his life because he's black, and and people are. Well, I, t- I take that back, not because he's black, but because what people are saying about him since he's black, and people are making him feel feel different for who he is. And by the way, I, I do want to say I appreciate everyone on the Facebook page for being civil and discussing this kindly. I did have to ban one person who was a complete idiot and said something completely out of line to another person, and, and I banned that person, so I apologize to that person. They know who they are uh, for the comment that they received. But look, man... um. I mean, if, if you're if you're living in the United States and you're you're white, you're a white Christian, uh, you don't you've never really dealt with racism, unless you unless you've been living in another country for a long time. As much as we want to say we are the United States, uh, there are a lot of people that they hear a lot of nasty things. And I, I've received some of those things. I mean, again, as someone born in the Middle East and went to school here and, and with everything that happened after 9-11 and, uh, you know, and going to middle school and high school and just some of the comments I would hear from kids, uh, I mean, just completely hurtful. I can't imagine what it is nowadays going to middle school or high school and, you know, if teachers have like a bias towards a certain politician or or, or just... Some of the things that people say, uh, because people learn uh, some negative, some negative phrases because of social media, um, which is very unfortunate. I just can't imagine uh, sending a, a, a kid to school nowadays with our political mess. Um, l- listen, I mean, if you voted for Trump, you know, good for you. I mean, that's your right. If you regret voting for him. That's that's you know you're that's your right to feel that way. If you're proud that you voted for him, even if after everything, um, good for you. Uh, I I don't know how a person can be proud, especially with everything that he's been saying. Uh, look, there are a lot of kids that think that everything a president does is right, and they look up to a president. How can how can a parent 
justify to their kids that the president of the United States is calling other people a son of a bitch. And, you know, I mean, the grabber by the you-know-what. Uh, I mean, just, just so many things that we've heard about Donald Trump that we've never heard about another candidate. Um, and people are talking about fake news and how he's been treated unfairly. Okay, I, I mean, try explaining that when there are lots of public figures. I, I'm not just the average Joe, like you and I, or our next-door neighbor. I'm talking about public figures, athletes, celebrities, so many people who have spoken against him. And so many people, so many musicians who are doing tours that are speaking against him now. And again, I'm not going to get into the political details, but just comments like this, referring to these NFL players as a son of a bitch and thinking that's okay. I, I mean, Donald Trump used the word disrespectful five times. You want to talk about dis- how disrespectful it is to the flag and to our our soldier? Now, players have said they're not protesting soldiers. Again, I've said many times, I disagree with how they're doing the protest, but man, damn it, uh, something's got to be done. I think we need to do more than just protests during the anthem. Something more has got to be done. But uh, the message is being sent, and some people are not listening. Some are. Uh, good for those people who are. I, I just disagree with both sides. People that are bashing on these NFL players for protesting and, uh, you know, uh, just people who are – and also the players who are protesting. I mean, I, why can't we find some other way to do this and just come together and start working on solutions? Because what what solutions have we even attempted since Colin Kaepernick did all this? And again, we have our president who's talking about disrespect, but – I mean, the guy is speaking for himself when he's talking about being disrespectful. Again, I don't care if you voted for Donald Trump or not. But regardless who you voted for, you cannot sit here and say that Donald Trump is a respectful human being and that he has the right to talk about who's disrespectful and who isn't. Because he's the last person that should be talking about disrespect about other people. And I know a lot of Trump supporters... Those hardcore supporters are going to be angry at me and, 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 say, and say that what I'm saying is wrong. Okay, prove how I'm incorrect. Prove that he's respectful. And of course, you're not going to. Because Trump supporters, and again, I'm not saying this on all Trump supporters, but there are some out there that just think that he can do no wrong, that he's perfect, and everything he says is right. You know what? And I said earlier on the podcast, if I was Donald Trump, and I have, and I disagree with these players. I would have a better solution. I actually have a better solution. Tell me what's wrong with this idea. Why doesn't Donald Trump call up Colin Kaepernick? Especially since he's unemployed right now, he's not busy. Invite him to the White House. Let's start talking about solutions on this. If you want to prove you're so much better than Obama or any president, then then start doing these things. Call up Marcus Peters. Or, or uh, Bennett of the Seahawks. And start uh, start talking to them. You're the president. You know this is an issue. I strongly disagree with how they're doing it. But man. How, uh, uh, just how you responded to it. How Donald Trump responded to it. He opened up a whole new can of worms. And you saw lots of people. 
protest. Like I said, roughly 180 players on Sunday didn't stand for the anthem. I mean, is this really our country? I mean, is this really what we're living in? Again, people need to understand they're not protesting the soldiers. They're not protesting the country. They're protesting social injustice. And people are not listening to that. I said this on the Facebook page. And people are now wanting to boycott the NFL like like they're really serious about it. And that's that's making me laugh. But answer this. I'm begging someone to share the logic. Someone tried to do this on the Facebook page and just completely failed. In what world does it make sense that we want to protest or, excuse me, boycott the NFL because of these social injustice protests? Yet, when the NFL players, so many NFL players are so notorious for getting arrested and committing crimes, this outrage doesn't exist. People don't want to boycott the NFL because of a crime committed by, uh, by, by players. They want to do it because of a peaceful protest. You look at the protests and people are tearing down statues and breaking windows at, at coffee shops and thinking it's okay. And they don't even get half the criticism that these NFL players are getting. Alex Smith said it best. And again, I don't want to get too political, but I think this is worth mentioning. Alex Smith said it's the same guy who couldn't condemn the violent neo-Nazis. And of course, referring to what happened in Charlottesville, in which Donald Trump called those protesters, quote, very fine people. And this is, of course, the march which included torch-wielding and white supremacists who chanted, Jews will not replace us. Um, You guys remember the uh, shooting that happened in Olathe, Kansas, at a sports bar, Austin's Bar and Grill. Where uh, a Trump spokesman, and I know Sean Spice is not there anymore, but he is speaking for the president when he when he does this. Uh, the spokesperson at the time, Spicer, um, said it was, quote, too early to decide what motivated the shooting at Austin's Bar and Grill in Olathe when a man yelled at uh, two others who he thought were Middle Eastern when they were at, uh, and he yelled at them and said, get out of my country. Then shot and killed those two guys and injured another person who tried to stand up for those two men who were Indian, by the way, not Middle Eastern. So, um, you know, our president, who's who's refusing to find solutions, instead he just wants to resort to name-calling. And now we've just got this kindergarten behavior with our nation. People are just not listening to each other. People don't want to come up with solutions. People just want to jump to conclusions and, and boycott the NFL. Really, you're going to boycott the NFL for peaceful protests, but you're not going to do it with all these other issues. Let me say one other thing, too. When Tim Tebow was bashed because he pushed his religion out there, I have never seen a player get so much hate because of his religion that he pushed out there. When you have so many other players who've done far worse things, But yet, Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick have been some of the most attacked and bashed players in the NFL. And they've done nothing wrong. I'll I'll say this about Colin Kaepernick. I've said this before, but I strongly disagreed with Kaepernick when he wore those pig socks, trying to attack police officers. I thought that is completely just a wrong thing to do. I've got a lot of respect for police officers. Uh, Are there bad police officers out there? Yes. Are there bad teachers out there? Yes. Are there bad salespeople out there, yes, but they don't represent all of the people in their industry. I mean, yes, we've got people that are taking a knee 
I mean, and again, it's a very small per- It was a very small percentage, uh, but people are were letting uh, the, those few players that were protesting represent all of the NFL when that's not the case at all. So the the logic to me that people are now going to stop watching football and start boycotting the NFL. First of all, people were there were already players protesting. So if you were waiting for Donald Trump to comment on this and then protest and then boycott the NFL, you just cannot simply make up your own mind. You follow another person. I don't care if he's a president or not. Just because he's the president doesn't mean you have to agree with him. We have elections for a reason. Uh, people have the right to agree or disagree with with anyone, even the president. But really, you're gonna now you're gonna decide that you're gonna boycott because the president spoke against the NFL. I mean, shame on you if you let that be your deciding factor. Um, look, I I really don't know what else to say, but we are not doing a good job coming up with solutions. I don't agree with protesting during the anthem, and I don't agree that we're referring to these people who are peacefully protesting, trying to make a difference, and calling them son of son of a bitch. I mean, really, we're name the president of the United States has resorted to name calling. Not that he didn't do it before, but listen, sports is a big part of us. I mentioned those Boston Red Sox fans who brought in a big flag. Trying to take a shot at the United States and racism. I mean, people are at sporting events to get away from these things. And now they just got... Now they're colliding. And it shouldn't be this way. I mean, the protest is a protest. It happens before a game. You get upset about it. You move on once the game kicks off. You get over it. I'm a little unsure what Arrowhead's gonna gonna be like during the anthem. I, I, I know they're they're gonna air the anthem... Like they do for every primetime game, so we'll see. But man, I mean, let's just let's just start finding solutions. I mean, let's stop hating on one another. I mean, people love to hate because they're different with their skin color, their race, where they're from, and that's just wrong. Uh, if if uh, first of all, if you are a racist and you can, I've said this before, if you cannot name all fifty states and you cannot name all forty five presidents, then you should not be. Attacking other people, and attacking their race. You're just an idiot if you do that. Um. And by the way, and and I say the 50 states and the 45 presidents because listen, a lot of racist people are very uneducated. They get mad when you bring that up, but that's the that's the cold hard truth. That's the cold hard truth. Uh, look, I I don't know what else to say about this. Um, but. I do feel like there was a better solution than calling them a son of a bitch. Uh, Start calling these guys up. Talk to them on the phone for half an hour. And start working on solutions. Or see if you can visit them privately and talk to them. Colin Kaepernick's not busy. Give him an invite to the White House. And then he he, he, uh, withdraws his invite to Stephen Curry. You can't uninvite someone that doesn't even want to attend. And of course LeBron James calls him a bum. And good for LeBron, man. Michael Jordan spoke about this defending the NFL. Uh, Tom Brady, who was you know the biggest Trump supporter, uh, that's that's a pro athlete. Even he spoke against Trump, man. Uh, and let, let me just say this: people are saying fake news, and Trump's not getting a, a fair chance. Okay, explain to me how last year when the Broncos won the Super Bowl, there were. You, the, the entire Broncos team and a signed helmet given to 
President Obama. But for President Trump, a lot of players decided to not go. And Trump did not get a signed helmet. He just got a blank helmet with the Patriots logo on it. That speaks volumes, folks. Especially a team that Trump has been a big supporter of. Uh, the players not wanting to give him the support back. And a lot of owners, NFL owners, they've been very supportive of Trump. There have been a lot of owners who uh, voted for Trump and have donated to his campaign. And a lot of them in their statements have, have spoke against that and have defended their teams and the rest of the league for peacefully protesting. And really, though, I mean, you, you, for those who are wanting to boycott the NFL, this is the reason you're going to do it. You're not going to do it because of all the domestic violence and the crimes, the robberies that have taken place or any any rape allegations. that have. To, you don't want to boycott those incidents. You don't want to boycott the NFL because of that. But you'll do it because of the peaceful protest. You make no sense. And if anyone wants to speak against me on this, if you want to prove to me that Donald Trump is respectful, or you want to prove to me that it's logical to boycott the NFL because of these peaceful protests for social injustice, prove me wrong. You won't be able to. And I'm not trying to be harsh, man. Look, if you want to, you're so proud that you voted for Trump, good for you. It's your right. But man, I mean, this the way he went about it, it was completely wrong. And no one can really prove that he was right about it. No one can. Tell me how it's right that a president is using the term son of a bitch to refer to other people. I know uh, Obama referred to Kanye West as a jackass, but he didn't do it in front of a public forum. He did it when he was mic'd up. And he, and of course, he was being recorded when he said that. He didn't do it so publicly in front of a forum. I mean, the, the gif of him attacking CNN that he retweeted and him hitting a golf ball to Hillary... If Obama did this, he would get a lot of hate from people who voted for Trump and people who are Trump supporters. So let's not have this double standard here. Let's be fair and let's be open to to all this fairness because, look, I think at the end of the day, we all owe it to ourselves to be honest. We know we'd be critical of Obama if he spoke like this. We know it. So don't act like Trump is so perfect and right when he's absolutely wrong. I appreciate you guys listening through this segment, the final segment. Uh, look, I said I, I won't talk about these issues unless they cross with uh, with sports. And unfortunately, right now, that's the case. But uh, hopefully we can find solutions and just move forward from this. Because that is the answer. Hopefully we can do that. And hopefully we can look forward to happier moments in this sport. Such as right now, the Chiefs, 3-0. Monday Night Football coming up. Matt Miller is going to be coming on the next episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'll be talking to him about Kareem Hunt, this offense, how much it's changed, and also a little bit about Pat Mahomes and just how far the Chiefs can go this year. Matt Miller will give us his thoughts on all of that. And then plus, we will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Redskins on Monday Night Football. Uh, There was one topic I wanted to talk talk about with the Raiders. I did not get to that. I forgot to touch on that. I'll actually get on that on the next podcast. So I'll touch on that as well next podcast. Till then, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Google Play, other podcasting outlets. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash farzivasugian and on Twitter at farzin 21 Plus, you can email me, farzin at farzinvasugian.com. Appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I'll talk to you later this week.